Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Player Engage podcast. Today, we are joined by Gemma Doyle. She is the co-founder and CCO of Surge ROI. She has a really cool history of working with Zynga for over 10 years, helping multiple aspects from within Zynga, but most importantly, helping build out a loyalty program and understanding what the loyalty program is to bring, bring additional value, value to Zynga. And I think it's a really fascinating topic for people that may not be aware of how it works. And we're going to learn a little more, hopefully get uh, behind the curtain, see how, how gaming works from the back end. So Gemma, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're traveling, so I appreciate you making time in your schedule. Is there anything you'd like to say about yourself? Uh, well, thanks for having me, Greg. This is super exciting. This is my first podcast. So I'm uh, very excited to see how this goes. And I'm really excited. VIP is my complete passion and has been for well over a decade. So I'm super excited about talking about it today. Yeah, and no pressure. This hopefully is an easygoing podcast. And I think loyalty VIP program is really an important topic. You know, from, from keywords and help shift, we spend a lot of time in this and we understand it a lot, right? But a lot of people we talk to don't really quite understand the value of a VIP program or really kind of how it's done. So maybe for people who are listening, you can start at a really high level, right? Like, what is a VIP program and why should studios maybe take a look into this? And, and I think, sorry, just to cut you off, I think this goes beyond gaming, right? And I think it's important for anyone who's listening that may not be in gaming, right, to understand why this is important to work with your customers because I think it's really great. So I cut you off there. But go ahead. No problem at all. So, yeah, as you said, it could be applicable across all genres. I originally started out in real money gaming well over a decade ago, maybe even two, uh, in real money gaming in Europe, in Dublin. I'm from Ireland originally. And the behaviors and the interactions with the VIPs were uh, really engaging with the VIP base. And what I wanted to do was when I left that real money gaming company, I wanted to go to strategically move to a company like Zynga, um, who had social gaming, but they didn't, uh, VIP just didn't exist. It wasn't a concept that was embraced at the time uh, by the social gaming space. So Really, you know, I spent two years going back and forward to San Francisco, flogging the deck to anybody that would listen to me about the potential upside. And when you move from a very um, kind of purchase driven industry into a very data driven industry, it's two different worlds. And to make them kind of collide and architect a program that allowed me to be make data driven decisions, but also layer on human interaction. It was, that was this tough space. And as I said, it took me two years at Zynga until um, it, it finally stuck and we got uh, one pilot program. The At a high level, VIP is um, the, my version of VIP that I architected at Zynga is is about layering data science and human interaction to develop a program that is really authentic and true to the players so that your players are engaged with their account manager, but they're also engaged with the game. It helps with retention, engagement, and further monetization. So that's the value add for the company. And um, the definition of a VIP varies per, uh, per genre and per, per, um, per company even. And so you could, you know, you could start with whatever the, uh, the, we feel like the, the baseline is. So let's say, for instance, we take VIPs who had spent 
$500 and above and have been active in the last 180 days. So we've segmented them out as a base. Now we've got to sub-segment them out and apply treatment to those uh, groups to make sure that they feel engaged and uh, they feel uh, that retention is important to them, not just that they're connected to a game, but they're also connected to their account manager. So if they have problems in the game, you don't want them to churn, obviously, Churn avoidance is key for everybody, but it's hard to engage a player. And I always use this analogy in that if a player has stopped purchasing in your game and is actively still playing, and they have been historically a purchaser in your game, reaching out via a phone call, and we know from experimentation, I'll probably talk a little bit more later on about experimentation, but we did a lot of it over the years. Um, But for this instance, to, uh, sending kind of offers, marketing offers direct to the players, whether that's, you know, via an TD or email or SMS or, or any kind of channel, um, if they have a problem in the game, it's really hard. And the analogy I use is a dirty restaurant syndrome. So if you walk into a dirty restaurant and you leave because you're unhappy with how clean it is and the maitre d' hands you a, a gift voucher on the way out, you're not coming back to that restaurant until the issue is fixed. So I give you an account manager. They speak to you directly and say, hey, I've seen that you know you haven't been able to you haven't you've been playing but you haven't purchased in a while I was just wondering how everything is going for you the player will then say you know I had this issue say for instance they had an issue with a pvp feature and they weren't being paid out when they won against their pal and it frustrated them and they said that's the only thing I monetize in the game I don't monetize anywhere else and it's been broken and so the account manager then fixes gets it fixed if it's an individual issue but it could be we're all in gaming we know that games don't always work perfectly every day every night it could be a current issue that's been resolved and so gets the player back into the game and getting them uh, back into that PvP feature that they really enjoy to play. So the value comes from keeping those players engaged, you know, making sure their problems are removed so that they can thoroughly enjoy the experience. And then just the value to the company, obviously, is retention of highest value. When you look at the biggest problems in the industry right now um user acquisition is just so expensive you know so keeping and retaining those high value players is really key to uh keeping a really healthy game and so when you think about how much monetization or how much money is spent on user acquisition uh, versus those who are in the game, we want to make sure that the VIP players feel heard, feel valued. If you think about it across any other industry with your airlines, your credit cards, you expect a level of, I have a dedicated person who looks after me because I've invested so much time and money into your uh, service or product. And so too, they should feel that in gaming. Even though it's a leisure industry, and even more so actually that it's a leisure industry, nobody has to spend their money and time and commitment and loyalty to a particular game. There's just so many out there, you know, so it's it's really good to reward the VIPs and let them know, hey, we hear your voice. We want to fix your issues. We know you love your game. And. We want to make sure that you have all the promotions that we have going at the moment but tailored to you. Uh, we do a lot of kind of tailored promotions. So we find out what's valuable to VIPs within each genre. Uh, so when we do do a promotion within VIP, it's not something that uh, doesn't resonate with the uh, VIPs themselves. We make sure we do a lot of that when we do our VIP profiling. Um, so that's the value to the player. Number one, should always be value to the player, number one. Uh, Number two to the company is that retention number. 
test versus control, those who receive VIP treatment versus those who don't. And then, of course, there's a monetary value um, because the you can definitively show the dollar value upside of VIP management if it is done correctly. You said a lot there and a lot of cool stuff here. I want to kind of dig into some different bits and pieces of it, but you know, and this is a, a not my favorite way of describing it, but it's almost like a, a SaaS company, right? Each each customer of yours has an account manager. The account manager is responsible for reaching out. It, it almost sounds like we're going in a circle, like time wise, right? Because for a while there, you don't want to have phone support. You don't want you just want them to send an email or chat or something like that, right? We don't want to be talking on the phone. And all of a sudden, we're talking about all right, high value customers. Let's bring back the phone. Let's bring back that personal touch because I think we lost that personal touch. When we were, I mean, I mean, I can imagine Zynga has millions and millions and millions of freemium type of players that you can't just support them all. But how do we find that subset of individuals that are uh, that are willing to spend money? And if they're not picking up on those trends and understanding, hey, why isn't user X spending money anymore? Let's talk to them and figure this out. And I love the idea of kind of testing control because you can't just throw everything against the wall to see what kind of sticks there. So, you know, it, not. Every company is a Zynga where you have millions of users, right? So there's a lot of indie gaming studios that are starting up and trying to understand, all right, how do I build a, a community? How do I understand what voices are important from the community? So from uh, maybe we're jumping ahead here, but like, when is the right time to even start thinking about these types of conversations? Because it is going to maybe take some time and effort to build out these research methods and figure it out. But we also want to make sure we have time to build our game. Uh, well, I'll go back to my history and say that when uh, it, when it finally you know sunk in that VIP may be something that Zynga would be interested in, it was me on a spreadsheet with 900 VIPs. So I just got on the phone and talked to them and start building relationships. So if you have if you are a small indie company and you want to reach your player base, start talking to them, pick up the phone today. You know, it's, it's so important. People are so happy to talk. I get a lot of feedback from gaming studios who say, our players don't want to talk on the phone, you know, but they're, they're, so uh, the submission rate for phone numbers is between the 70 and 85 percentile. Now it does vary by genre, but in terms of when you give them a guarantee that they have somebody who can fix their problem in the MOTD when you're asking for the phone number, Hey, you've got an account manager. We're going to look after your issues. Number two, we've got awesome special offers just for VIPs that we have now included you in because they want to be involved. They don't want to miss out on that. And number three, here's some uh, coins or in-game currency to thank you for submitting your phone number. So um, in terms of, so yeah, if you're a small indie studio and you don't have the resources and bearing in mind, Zynga started small with resources. It was all incremental every year, every six months, actually, we grew and grew and grew, uh, but we had to prove ourselves. So I think if you're a small indie company, have somebody, if you are deciding where to put um, put somebody in to engage with your players and you have high value players in the game already, you should be on the phone with those. You know, there's so many times that um, I've reached out uh, to VIP players and they've been frustrated uh, with maybe customer service or they've been frustrated with some element of the game and all it takes is a phone call and they're amazed that somebody actually cared enough to pick up the phone and call them and as I said we did experimentation around how effective channels were and calls are bring back calls as you say calls are three times more effective than any other channel because it's a human talking to a human about the thing that they're most passionate about they're most passionate about their game you know so it really is they don't want to talk to a chatbot you know in you know the companies some companies have to use them you know and and, and the more 
kind of personalized and effective they are, chatbots can be useful. But in the case of high value VIPs, your small indie company, get somebody on the phones, get somebody talking to your players. Not only do you uh, resolve their issues and get them back in the game on an individual basis, but the information that comes from these VIP players, you don't always have the demographic that's playing your game, building your game. So it's important that these guys are actually uh, treated as consultants. You know, they have a lot to say about their passion and, you know, they, they really want to share it. The people that I've met over the course of time between VIPs that we've had, you know, graphic designers and CEOs and uh, school superintendents, and they've had like really, really kind of robust careers and, you know, they want to keep their mind active. So they treat their game as if when they're retired, as if they're treating their, their career, you know, they take it very seriously. They want the issues fixed and they want a channel to be able to air their grievances to say, Hey, this is not something I like. I don't like this new feature. And that in turn then becomes so valuable because once we have a strategic listening hub in place within a company, you can feed back into the product team, really valuable information. Um, to help them to, to uh, build the product. And the same will happen with the indie game. They will get some really, really uh, awesome information from uh, VIP players. The next question that they'll ask is, but we're not going to uh, channel our uh, roadmap, our product ro feature roadmap, based on two, three players. And that's absolutely, they should not do that. But what they should do is take the, to, uh, say, two to five players, Ask them questions about the feature road, uh, feature set, uh, roadmap that they have in the in the imminent future, and then you know see what they see what resonates with them, and then take that and put it into a survey and go out to your wider base. But now you've got kind of information from your highest value, most engaged players. So you're not uh, getting a survey from uh, product managers that have you know worked really hard on certain features and uh, they're making decisions they may not necessarily be the demographic that's playing the game so it's important that uh, the indie team indie companies as well as the large companies uh, really um, kind of ingest that information from the vip players i think you kind of answered my next question which i love is kind of how is a, a working relationship with the product team go from there right because in my history and at previous companies, right, product and, and either customer service or whoever don't always become best friends. I guess my question to you is uh, what department does a, a loyalty program kind of roll up to it? I'm assuming it's part of kind of the customer experience CX side of things, right? And, and how is that working relationship with product? Can you help determine the roadmap, right? Maybe it doesn't alter the roadmap, but get things put on there. Great questions. So the first one I'll answer is around uh, where does VIP normally roll up? And it varies in different companies. Um, so in, in the past, I've uh, rolled up within studios. I've rolled up to the president of the company. I've rolled up to the CMO of the company. And then most recently, the chief data, ch chief data officer of the company. And so it really depends on where you are in the journey of VIP. So at the very start, it made sense that I sat with the product team and fed the information. And then towards the end, as we had really expanded, it made sense that I was closest to the the chief data officer so that every decision we were making was super data driven and I'm really helping our players and being 
um, deciding the call types and, and those uh, call frequencies, all of that is important. You want to make sure that the players are comfortable with the frequency of contact and the reasons you're contacting them. So all of that went into experimentation. So it made sense that we're closest. So that's the roll-up question. And then the other question you asked was really about the relationship with product. So I will say I was super, super lucky uh, to have done my uh, my time at the Big Red Dog, which is Zynga, um, because the product teams there are very, very customer-centric. They really adore listening to the players. So when I talk about a listening strategy, um, uh, Frank Jabot, when Frank Jabot came, came on board um, with, with Zynga, uh, Frank was so customer-centric, and uh, we talked about... One of the offsites we talked about who should be at the table when you're talking about the element of fun within a game. And of course, as I said, the demographic doesn't always match the the, the designers and and the and their product managers. So what I had said was, it would I have hundreds even thousands of consultants that would be more than happy to come here and talk to the game teams. And Frank said to me, "Well, what do you need? We need you know funding to bring them here." So. So that was it. We started that off uh, at very early stages. And uh, essentially what we did was we did every week we had a focus call. So the account manager would organize a focus call with one of the VIPs who had given them really awesome information. The product teams don't need to hear, there's cheaters in your game, there's cheaters in the game, there's cheaters in the game. If that's the case, they know that they're working on the issue. However, they want to hear about, there's this awesome feature that I play in this other game that's just like this. And the reason I spend more time in the other game because they have have this feature or they want to hear this uh, you know this frustrates me in the game you know this shouldn't the grind shouldn't be so hard on this you know uh, they would give great examples like if i grind through this and i get the prize the the money i spent to grind is not and they will work out you know and say that it's not as valuable the prize is not as valuable as what it's going to take for me to get there and then the product teams are like oh this is amazing feedback we need to dial this back and put less grind in this and so so in terms of, I was very lucky that they were so open to being customer centric. So what we put in place was a listening, a listening hub and the listening hub included the weekly focus calls. We also did a quarterly focus group where we physically brought the VIPs to the studios and we worked with the uh, insights team to actually do a half day. And then we would bring the VIPs off on a trip around Alcatraz or something awesome. And uh, the product team would stay back and look at the roadmap and then the information that was given. Then they take that information and put it into a, a wider survey and have that surveyed. So now they've got this really awesome information from their VIPs. They validate that with a survey, and now they're back to building a product that the players really, really want. So in addition to that, then um, we did a lot of product surveys and uh, lapser surveys. So if you came to came to the listening hub and looked, you wanted to listen to, hey, why are our VIP, you're new to the company, or you've just moved games, or, you know, why do players churn from this game? Click and into the survey. And we kept that information refreshed. We also keep videos there of winners that just won our sweepstakes because, you know, they love to gush about the game and why they play. And it's a reminder, right, of like why players love to play your game. So it's good for employees to see that as well, to see the end user really, really, you know, adoring things. And you may have worked on the feature, you may have done the art, and we've heard comments like, uh, the, the, I remember one comment was, the artists on this game are godly, 
they are godly creatures, you know. And so they gave me super complimentary and it reminds people why they do, why they build these amazing, wonderful games. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's really important to to get that relationship with product. And I think if, you, if it doesn't exist in your company today and you really want to get to a space where uh, product and, and, and VIP are working really closely in tandem on a voice of the player type uh type experience i think the most important thing is to remember how studios what the language studios speak in so the studios speak in retention numbers engagement numbers monetization numbers and it's really important uh, when you're feeding back information to them that you feed that in with that information because it becomes more valuable to them for example you have a break in the game uh, you have uh, 20,000 customer service tickets in the queue because there's a break in the game at very kind of low cost in considering, you know, in comparison to some other costs in game making. Um, but now you've got 50 VIPs who've churned from the game because of this issue, you know, and you're able to say these players are our most valuable players. They play seven out of seven. They've been with us for five years or more. And when you add that data in, it becomes a, the, the issue becomes much more of a code red than it is. To, and, and the studio want to fix the most important things to their players. So furnishing them with that information is really what they need. So building a reputation with the product team and, and at a point, we were at a point where if there was a, a bug in the game or there was an exploit, sorry, in the game and data are in, look, and we don't know why we're not, the revenue is down today. We, we don't understand what's happening. And they would call the VIP team, in particular, uh, the director of VIP um, that worked with me and, in Zynga and say, hey, what's going on over there? And she would just pick up the phone and chat to some of our VIPs. Hey, what's going on out there? And they'd say, there's an exploit in round three. If you go into this and you keep clicking this button, you just win, 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 win. And they share it across all of the social sites, you know? So it's, it's 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 really important to have that uh, close relationship uh, with the product teams. The grind and someone reaching out like, why aren't you playing anymore? Like the grinding was just too much for me. There's some games I've been playing where it's just like, all right, I, I can't just do this anymore. I'm, I'm getting nowhere and I'm doing the same thing over and over again. It's fascinating to think that there are studios and it's also fascinating to me that I don't always hear from them, which I get. I'm not a VIP, which maybe I can work on that, but like. You know, it's interesting to think that there's companies doing that. And it kind of goes back to, as you were just kind of mentioning a little earlier, is like for, for smaller studios, I want to get started with it. Like, how do you justify spending money on a program when you don't necessarily have users who are ready to go yet? Or, or like, again, it comes down to timing, right? Well, when is the right time to look into something like that? That's a difficult one for anybody is the business, building the business case that gets you to a space where you can show the projected ROI. So there are two things in that. One, you need to know how to show the projected ROI so that you can say, when you've got uh, PMs and engineers working on different features that have a projected ROI on them, you need to do the same thing. You're working for a gaming company. This is not a let's throw another wall and stay if it sticks, right? So it's important that you do that. So the business case is always very important. And building that is all about using that same language that I talked about earlier on, looking at your data and saying, here, if we can get a lift of X percent, um, then this is how much that will equate to in terms of uh, dollar value. So if you're starting off and you're in a position where you really want to go from uh, cost to profit, if you're in support or, or you're in marketing and you want to kick off, I think the most important thing to do is uh, to work on the, the business case, to justify the investment. So 
And that that is part of, as you said at the top of the call, um, I'm a co-founder at Surge ROI, which is a company that just built a VIP CRM system. Um, and it's like a strategy, VIP strategy in a box, essentially, is what it is. But we also have a partner uh, partnership with Keywords uh, Studios. And Keyword Studios are um, now doing a new VIP service line. And so essentially what we want to do is, as part of that, help the person on the client side and the game side build that business case that shows the justifiable let's do a pilot program you know with a pilot for six months and it really is an iterative process so you start off with a pilot program you say this is the projected upside we're going to get and how you find that definitive upside it's really difficult for these people to try and prove what the what the projected upside would be without this eureka moment that we had at Zynga so when I moved over and started working really closely with the uh, data organization uh, within Zynga, one of the things that we talked about was whether a game is on an upswing or whether it's kind of tapering off, um, the upside of VIP management should not change. So if there's a problem in the game or the game is soaring for you know popularity-wise, the percentage upside that you're bringing from VIP management should not change. So we started to look at different metrics that would actually show that. And the metric we came up with was VIP ARPU, which is average revenue per VIP user. So we have a to total 20% holdout and the same in the surge ROI as system, CRM system, we've got a 20% holdout. And that what it does is it allows the, you to kick off a pilot and start your VIP program with the strategy in a box and essentially look for the upside after six months. It takes six months to build a relationship, by, which is why we do it in increments of six months. Otherwise, it's a marketing campaign. One or two you know, emails, maybe a phone call. It's a marketing campaign. So after six months, you can say the relationships are built. This is the definitive upside. And then you can look at that in terms of dollars. So if you look at, say, you, you get a 7% upside from VIP management test versus control. When you look at the average revenue between your 80% group and your 20% group, you see 7% lift. And so then you go and do the math and say, okay, we're only talking to 80% of the base. Um, in this case, let's just say 80% of all game revenue comes from the VIP base, and then there's a 7% lift. So the calculation, the math calculation is 80 by 80 by 7, which gives you a net upside of 4.48%. And then you can actually, so of all the previous annual game revenue, then you can say, we can bring you 4.48% in addition. And that might be $4 million, it may be $20 million, whatever it is, depending on the size of your game and your your revenue, uh, your annual revenue. And so essentially what you want to do is every six months, you want to say, okay, we've achieved that. Now we're going to add more heads and we're going to talk to more of the VIPs. Um, and as such, we expect to get a linear increase of X percent. So now your percentage starts to grow up. And you're doing it every six months because you want it to be an iterative process. You're trying to find where that saturation point is, where you're, getting, you're not getting diminishing returns for every head that you add. So it comes down to a lot of experimentation a lot of history, you know, that, uh, that, that uh, you know, an experience, 
But essentially, um, that business case is all important so that you can show the definitive upside. And your pilot program then just becomes your, your success metric. So once you've done your first six months, you're not talking about projections. You're talking about actuals because you've just achieved this 7% lift or the 4.48 in terms of net. And then you continue to do that every six months. You just keep adding more heads and more heads. And you keep seeing the linear increase in, in your percentage upside. And then for companies that have multiple games, then the person who is championing this on this side, whether it's marketing, product or support, um, the person who's champion is looking for to expand not just into the uh, the rest of the VIP base for that game, but also into other games because now they've got a six month pilot with a proven upside. A lot of data. I love that. Lots of cool information. I have some questions, but in the middle of the podcast, what we like to do is kind of a fireball round where I just throw some random questions at you and you just answer quickly. I promise they're easy questions. Good to okay. go? Yeah. If go you're going to go to a bar, what is your drink order? <laughs> uh, Jameson Ginger Ale. Look at that. Just you're home, right? In, in Ireland right now. <laughs> if you, uh, what did you have for breakfast? A ham sandwich because in Ireland everybody eats sausages every morning and I'm sausaged out now at this point. Definitely. Cool. <laughs> okay. Last book you read. I reread uh the voltage effect. Dream vacation. Mauritius. Where was that? Mauritius. Okay. Uh last one. Last game you played trivia crack actually <laughs> nice it's still around it's awesome yeah. love it okay back to the regular scheduled program good job you know I, I love the concept of adding people to the program you start light you keep adding it this is kind of a two-part question is does do the voices in the room be, eventually become too saturated or too many people in there or, or as i like to say too many cooks in the kitchen and then kind of is VIP only defined by the amount of money I'm spending in the game? Too many voices in the room. Can you define that? What do you mean in the focus groups or? I guess, yeah, right. You were talking about adding more people. Well, I guess you were talking about adding more people to the program, right? Which is the focus groups, right? Then is it just too many people? Yeah. So, no, we keep them separately because it's it's really widely known that if there is a loud person in the group that people tend to follow their opinion. So when we keep them separately in different rooms and we really get them to play and we get everybody's opinion so that we can get good stuff to put into the surveys. So it's more focus groups you're running. It's not bigger focus groups. It's just more of them. Yeah. Um, and in terms of adding to the program, when we add more account managers to the program. So if you start tomorrow, what we suggest uh, at, at Surge and, and uh, Keyword Studios is that you start with the top 25% of your VIP base and you give them one to 2,000 uh, account managers to VIPs. And the reason we do that is because there's a lot of experimentation on the cadence of contact, you know, in terms of retention, engagement, and monetization, what is the optimal number of calls? As I said, you do not want to be annoying your players too much, too much with calls. And um, so essentially we've worked out that this is the optimal number of contacts is twice a month, which means the bandwidth that the account manager can do, that's 2000 to every one VIP, every one VIP account manager. Um, so, and as, the, as you start to expand your 25%, you're expanding downwards and, you know, into the lower tier VIPs uh, who are moving up by the way, because they're spending. So, uh, so the growth and we're retaining more because we're giving them VIP. So uh, in terms of 
there's always space for 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 to add more VIPs. Um, there's never a point where, well, we had never reached a point where we had a saturation point, uh, which is fantastic. So that was your first part was too many voices in the room. And the second part? It's more of a definition of what is a VIP, right? Is there any way to become a VIP without spending a lot of money in the game? So, yeah. So I definitely believe there is a huge opportunity for SPPs, what I call SPPs and social power players. So essentially, if you look at a VIP who, if you have a matrix and you're looking at a VIP uh, around uh, their loyalty, their level of loyalty, their level of spend, you know, that kind of thing, the segment that they're in. And that's kind of like a, a traditional VIP. And then you look over on the other side and you say, okay, these are VIPs who maybe have, uh, you know, an audience on, on Twitch. Maybe they have an audience on YouTube and they are bringing a lot of players to the game. For example, some of the influencers that are, you know, there's the side games where you just, you're opening your gotcha and they want to see uh, what, what you've gotten um, because you're, you're an influencer. So those people, I definitely feel like if they churn from a game, they're taking a lot of people with them. So it's really important that companies focus on social power players as well, which means the matrix, instead of having your loyalty level revenue, that was kind of traditional metrics. On this side, you're going to have, you know, the number of followers they have, the number of people they're connected to in the game. If you have the opportunity to connect with friends uh, within the game, how many are on the network are actively playing that this guy is this guy or a girl is actually playing with? You know, so there's lots of opportunity to do that, and and now there's a whole new uh, genre that's coming out, which is vip for the social influencers so it's essentially making sure that your social influencer who is driving a lot of uh players to your game is happy you know so not just you know that that, that they're very happy that in the uh, and they continue to play your game because they're bringing people there so and that's that's kind of the newest i would say in the vip genre not that it's super new, but I mean, it's the new to being getting treatment and being treated as a particular segment. Um, I've seen a lot of that recently with uh, gaming companies where when I go in, they say, well, what about these guys? You know, so we've got one, two, three, you know, um, and they're treated right now as if they are marketing partners with companies. But realistically, they should be being treated like they're VIPs for the company because, you know, that's that's the way they, they're they're ultimately bringing a lot of players there and, and retaining players for you. So you've got a retention model. And so when they are expanding their network of followers, those people are all engaged with one another. So it's this huge, big engagement net that they're creating themselves and they should yeah, make it. Makes sense. They kind of play both roles, right? They are a marketing tool for the company because they are talking about your game, but you need to treat them like a, a, a player as well and, and a, a VIP player. So they get that feeling as well, right? You don't want to help them. You, you don't want to, I'm trying to think of like a shooting game, right? You don't want to give them things that make them too good, but you want to make sure they feel special in the game where they're going to keep talking about it, keep playing it and send it to their audience. Yeah. And part of doing that, Greg, is really having their voice heard by the product team. So yeah. it's, it's really hard when you have uh, some VIPs have spent a lot of money in these games. So when you're doing a sweepstake for an iPad or an iPad giveaway, these people don't need you to buy them an iPad. So it's really important that you lean into your base and understand what's valuable. So for example, uh, we did one where we had 30 minutes with an artist, the artist from the game, who will actually, will give you an iPad, but the cover 
will be designed by the original artist, will have your your favorite character on it and will build you into the into the cover. You know, so those are the things that you just can't buy that are really special to, to VIP players. Um, and, uh, you know, it's important to lean in. And those are the kind of ideas or things that will appeal to the influencers. You know, if they're if they're getting a lot of money for to, to do what they do, having something super special that's just for them is definitely something that companies should lean into. That's an awesome point you bring up, right? I think some things are more not more valuable than money, right? But but someone's going to look at this and say, this is a unique thing that I have. And, and that brings me to kind of this next question, which I don't know how much you're allowed to share, but like at Zynga, and obviously you had the experience prior with the uh, with the the real money gaming, but like, was there a oh my god moment at Zynga? Like we got something here. Or this is like a light bulb moment where everyone just went, oh shit! Like, are there any stories you can share about that? Yeah, I definitely had the biggest eureka moment uh, was when. I mean, we had a lot. The VIP is very much valued at, at Zynga. It truly is. Uh, but the biggest moment for us was. When you're going into a room and everybody's talking about uh, VIP spend and you've got so many people who have influence over that group. So you've got the VIP department, fine. Then you've got the product department, you've got live ops, you've got central marketing, you've got lifecycle marketing, you've got user acquisition retargeting. So everybody is trying to massage that base, you know, the full base, but in particular the VIP base because they're our most loyal players. And it was really difficult to extrapolate all that noise and actually show this is the definitive dollar value. And it was that moment uh, when we discovered, hey, there is a metric here that takes away all that noise. And it, and just like the VIP, average revenue per VIP user, those who receive VIP treatment versus those who do not, we can very definitively say. And it came about um, in that I did a, I was doing a math course, a remote math course. And I had, I asked a young uh, product manager uh, to, He's, he's certainly was very senior uh, when, when he left Singa, but uh, at the time he was fairly new and I asked him to be my math mentor. And so we were doing this, you know, my math studies when I was in uh, San Francisco. And then I asked him one time, he said, give me a real problem today. Give me a real problem. I said, well, you know, the big problem is that I can't prove the definitive upside. And he said, let's stay in this room until we find the metric that proves the definitive upside. And we were, you know, it was like, I, I felt like at the time when I look back and it, it feels like it was one of those, um, was the moment when he's on the board in, in the Goodwill hunting. That's what it felt like, you know, and we eventually had this eureka moment. And so I had to go then with the presentation in front of all the PMs and say, hey, this is what we're saying is the definitive upside. And if we put this test versus control in, will I have any pushback on the fact that this is definitively coming from VIP? And the answer was, makes sense go ahead. That's the beautiful metric. And it was just such a eureka moment because I'd spent so long trying to, you know, and so a uh, big up to Ryan Glasson, uh, if he's listened, he was definitely very instrumental in that eureka moment. So I want to kind of back up here and ask about Gemma, right? You, When you were growing up uh, in grade school and university, I, I maybe you dreamed of becoming a, a co-founder and founder of a, a loyalty program uh, for mobile games. But what were you dreaming or aspiring to be when you were growing up? So I think I fell into real money gaming, for sure. In two decades ago, when I started, I fell into it. But what really, really struck me was how passionate people are about their games, how much like 
you wouldn't believe the amount of letters. I have a, a box on my desk at home and it's all these letters from people saying um, how how much they love their game and they're absolutely obsessed with their game. And then when we started to apply VIP management, it was like they love their account managers as much as they love their game, you know? And I don't want to make this sound sad or anything, but, you know, I remember when there was the 900 VIPs on a spreadsheet and just me before we grew this amazing team at Zynga is um, having my alarm set on you uh, on Irish time to message uh, the VIPs happy Christmas, you know, and uh, on Christmas day. And I remember getting messages back from a couple of them saying, you're the only person who's contacted me. All I have in this world is my game. You know, and then you reach out and contact. So it really was a genuine. I just fell in love with the fact that you you can layer on human interaction on top of the passion people have for games. You know, we got a lot of uh, communication from um, VIPs who felt felt that there was one in particular that really resonates with me was that uh, her son was autistic and uh, the game he wouldn't engage with anything except our particular game and essentially she wrote to us to say listen i think the board of education should actually implement this for all autistic kids you know gaming and it was just so like it just it made me it made me feel like i wanted to build something that really not only embraced people for loving their games but also embraced people themselves for you know and 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 gave, showed them loyalty because you don't have to pick up your phone and play the same game all the time you have so many games to choose from it's really difficult to MOTDs pop up, pop up, pop up to try and get people to engage because of a pop up. But then when you put you start building a relationship between an account manager and a VIP, it becomes something much more uh, solid in its foundation and um, keeps retains players. And I, I've met some amazing in person and uh, over the phone. Um, we did a lot of in person events and um, just wonderful, wonderful people that just love to game in every genre and it's just so wonderful to sit in a room and have somebody just talk about how passionate they are about their game and how like that their their son is so connected with the game who's autistic or you know I play my game every day because I have friends in Farmville that you know they're my family now or you know you saw the story recently words with friends where some really young guy met with an 80 year old woman for Thanksgiving. It was all over all the, the social media through words with friends because they'd been play, competing against one another. So it's that really that made me fall in love with the idea of loyalty and VIP and rewarding people for having that level of loyalty to their game. That's an awesome way to look at it. You know, we talk about community a lot and community building because games are communities. Uh, today, we actually launched a podcast with a uh, someone named Irina Pereira, and she's building a studio, and it's about multiplayer online RPGs. And she said it's about community building. A lot of people through Warcraft or other games meet their significant others, meet their spouses, and it's fun to think of how all this stuff really connects on the back end of a game. Right? Loyalty will keep people active. They'll keep a community going. The community will keep involved. And like, there's clearly a bunch of building blocks here that just have to be put together. And to build this thing that works. And once you have these players playing, keeping them engaged, I think it's just such a great story to hear. And and I know you're part of a Women in Games uh, a member, and they also do inclusion by design, right? It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. When you're playing a game, you're a player of the game, right? And you might as well build that bond and relationship. And I think that's an awesome way to look at loyalty. So, so I appreciate you sharing that story. Um, one of the things I did want to ask, because everything we're hearing, it sounds really great, but like, for the VIP player, right? They have an account manager. 
what separates them from this just being a sales pitch to the the player itself, right? Like, hey, Gemma, we see you haven't spent money in a while. What's going on, right? Like, obviously, there is a little bit of a salesy side to it. But how do you separate the sales pitch from Mm -hmm. the account management, if that question makes sense? It does make sense. And it is something that is definitely a question that comes up when we're out there talking to people about surge ROI and and, uh, the CRM system, people are afraid that it's a a heavy sales tactic. And like I said to you at the start with the back to pay, um, you know, the, the, Player have the players have issues, right? And they want their issues fixed. So the reach out is really just it. The initial reach out is always to build a relationship and make sure the game is going well for the player. We don't have hard sales targets to say, this is what you've got to hit this sales and we ring the gong when you get a sailor, nothing like that. It's really about uh, retention and engagement. You know, the the upside in terms of revenue is used to scale the program and can continue, continue to invest in it. But essentially, it's really around uh, engagement and retention. And so uh, essentially, there's, there's, a, there's a few ways. So A, even if they're reluctant to submit their phone numbers, so let's take poker as an example. So the genre is not a genre that's very much, let's stay on the phone and talk for three hours it's like give me a deal what's your best deal you can do for me today you know um, and so the very first time that they have an issue with their game even if they've decided not to submit their phone number they'll remember oh i keep getting those emails from that guy let me get back to that guy so they go into their email and they reach out to him it's a saturday afternoon and they get a very happy account manager to say hey tony i've been trying to contact you for ages how's the game going well, I have a problem. So uh, Tony's problem gets fixed. And then essentially, they start to build a relationship. And the rapport is really built around if you spend hours every day playing your games, which our account managers do as well, it's really great to have somebody to converse with about that, like particular strategy games, you know, like where it's there's a complex element to it. And you really want to talk to somebody about, uh, you know, your game and how you've progressed and, you know, what your strategy is and that kind of thing. Um, and so your account manager is really, really useful for that. So they definitely build a friendship and an allyship uh, with the account manager when it comes to sharing the passion for their game. But then in addition to that, we do have events. We have live events where we invite VIPs to events. We also do the sweepstakes every single week. So they are in with a chance. We're gamifying. So they're purchasing anyway. We're not purchase pushing you to purchase. They're purchasing organically. So we're saying, hey, like any other loyalty program in, uh, you know, credit cards, travel, anything like that, you you are building up points, right, so that you get something back. So in this case, um, the VIPs were saying, hey, you're purchasing anyway. You've got X number of entries into the sweepstake to win a trip to Napa in the case of uh, Investment Express or, you know, a trip to Vegas in the case of Casino or, um, you know, uh, your garden furniture in the case of uh, like spades. You know, it's it's um, it's it's really important that you um, customize the prize to what the what the VIPs value so that they don't feel like it's a sale they understand and when their account manager calls them hey how's the game going anything I can do for you and then oh by the way uh, our sweepstakes on at the moment and it's garden furniture and I know you love to hang out in the yard with your, your grandchildren so you know it's 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 I just want to make sure that you know how the mechanics work and that kind of thing so they definitely do feel and we also do this thing 
So as you mentioned at the top, when I was at Zynga, I was a, a VP. I had support, so everything player-facing, customer experience-facing, uh, player-facing. Sorry, um, and so we used to take in uh, random comments from tickets and support and from VIP, and essentially all the VIP ones. Why do you, and our mantra there was, uh, "What will our players thank us for?" And so the players would constantly, VIPs constantly say the reason they stay in the game is because of their account manager, because they feel valued, they feel heard. They say, "I've." done focus calls he's put me on a focus call with the studio i saw my feature in the game this is unbelievable how you guys listen to your players and they truly understand that we're trying to be or we're trying to be sorry zynga is a customer centric uh, company and we tried to fast follow in terms of uh, with Surge ROI and our relationship with Keyword Studios is we want to make sure that that uh, mantra is maintained and that this strategy in the box from the CRM system uh, which is built to uh, deliver all of those uh, the um, all of those call types and frequencies and all the things that benefit the player, as well as the training with the uh, team managers and account managers that Keywords uh, Studios are offering in their new line of uh, their new line of business, you know, then it matches that and it puts the player first all the time. And the listing strategy is going to be a big part of that to make sure that uh, we're really helping the the product teams connect with their players in a very strategic way as opposed to there's a lot of executives right now who are looking at app stores you know in in the morning on their way to work and they're just looking at reviews in the app store and they're gauging sentiment of their base that way and um, where it's really important that you're surfacing uh, the right information and the volume comes through customer support so customer support's got a lead in terms of uh, this is, you know, this is where all of the information comes from. Should The information supplier should always be support because they've got the biggest number of tickets that are coming in and they can assess the sentiment in a, in a more qualitative way. But certainly from a VIP standpoint, uh, having those individuals uh, talk to the studios and, and it really gives a, a value add for not just the studio, but also for the player. They feel heard, they feel listened to. So... And this kind of leads into what I think is my final question, right? It almost sounds it's like a trickle down effect, right? Like make the people who play the game a lot, who spend a lot of money in the game happy, understand what features they are using or are not using, provide it to the product team. And that kind of trickles down to the, the product team. Product team can make changes and the general base of the game is happy because they're seeing some issues or some bugs or some weird quirks, for lack of better words, that might be happening, kind of resolved. And one of the things we hear about a lot recently is like, how do I make my customer support center, instead of a cost center, a profit center? Is this one of those keys to kind of converting that logic from cost to profit? VIP is kind of like the, it, it, so there's a pyramid, you know, and you can start off and you can start to uh, generate revenue through your through your support function without going fully into VIP. So VIP is kind of like, if you want to get the biggest jump in terms of revenue generation, VIP is the way to go because it's a tried and tested strategy sitting in a box so you can add the system, apply the heads and get that moving straight away. However, there are many other ways. So for example, recently the law changed in terms of all gaming companies being able to have their own stores. So right now, I think there's great opportunity with HelpShift actually to uh, convert non-payers to payers. So when a player um, goes to the store and they navigate away, I believe it's for one of three reasons. One, I don't feel safe. I've never made a purchase here before. I'm used to the app store. 
Two, I can get a better deal somewhere else. Or three, I actually have a problem and I can't, I can't make this purchase. So whether it's one, any of those three things can be fixed through help shift and the support function. So essentially you have a problem. Okay. We're putting you through to support. Uh, you want a better deal? You, um, you give the, the conversion agents the autonomy to offer a better deal or the last one i don't feel safe well let me take you through this is our site this is very safe da, da, da. and you give them the, the script to make people feel very comfortable with making the purchase and i believe that anything that is converted from non-payer to payer through that function in help shift which is a pop-up uh it's like a um an abandoned car chat you know, so it's a feature that have shift have. You do have to have the latest version of the SDK, though. So everybody should update the latest version of the SDK. I know it's hassle, but everybody needs to do it because that's where you get the good stuff. So uh, the proactive chat pops up and then the conversion takes place. Those conversion agents, the more so the more those guys are converting, the more uh, then you can add the revenue that they, pr they produce for the next 14 days uh, into your cart uh, for going from cost to profit. So that's just one example. But what I would say is to take a wider view, conversion on this end, uh, it'd be uh, low uh, in terms of revenue generation. It might be lower. VIP is right up this end. You're delivering significantly to the bottom line if you apply full VIP management to your business. So that is obviously the, the, the top right, of the, the, the pyramid. However, in between all of that, you know your business more than anybody else. So what I would say, if you're a support uh, individual or you're a marketing individual, you should come together, all of you, sit in a room and end-to-end -end map your customer journey and talk about, okay, where are the opportunities along the way here for us to reach out to our players? If you are somebody who wants to go from cost to profit, there are audiences that are not being spoken to right now because you've got marketing in the room, you've got support in the room, and you're talking about the different ways in which they, uh, they, they are spoken to outside of the product itself. And so you talk about where is the opportunity here for us to you know, dial into a particular uh, behavior or segment to try and convert or try and bring them back to pay or back to pay is another one for, for uh, low value non-VIPs. Um, and so that is important. So actually I will uh, log in that the, the partnership that we're doing with Keyword Studios right now and with Surge ROI, we're actually doing free workshops for, key, for uh, Keywords services clients where we go to their location and we actually do the end-to-end -end journey mapping and talk about uh, where they can apply VIP management and speak to all of the groups from support, marketing, uh, product, and uh, really bring um, the whole company, as many as we can get in the room, to, to, to look at what does VIP look like for your particular, um, and conversion, sorry, and VIP, what does that look like for you on your end? So these customers, they're obviously help shift customers already if there were keywords. Um, and, um, you know, so it's really just about leveraging what you've got already and then layering on top of that, should you wish to do a pilot for VIP, this is what it will look like and this is the investment and all of that stuff. So um, so I know there's probably going to be some non-keyword uh, studio customers listening to this, but uh, I did want to say that there's, I, I believe you send this out to your keywords clients. So, you know, that that option is available. If this, if this uh, podcast has captured your interest and your executive or you're, you're somebody who's over one of these functions that we just mentioned, um, you know, reach out to your contact and keywords and we can get that the workshop up and running and uh, do it all in half a day so that everybody understands what it looks like for your particular company.
That's awesome. And I love the idea of mapping it out just end to end. I don't think many people probably take a look at the full user journey and kind of see these kind of points, bottlenecks, whatever you want to call it, where are opportunities, right? And I think that makes a lot of sense. And we will post that. I, I appreciate that offer. Uh, we will let our audience know that as well. And uh, with that, I think we're getting close to the top of the hour. Gemma, I really learned a lot. I think this is such a cool idea. I think for studios that aren't taking a look into this, like it's an amazing way to take a look at your base and say, hey, how can we work with our base to learn more about the product, to kind of build better products to help evolve our product and get all the benefits in return. I think it makes perfect sense. And before we go, I guess, any final words, anything I'm missing, anything you'd like to share with the audience? The only thing I would say is get on the phones. Have somebody get on the phones. Start talking to your VIPs. Don't let tomorrow come on the VIPs churn. Get on the phone. Phones are back. You heard it straight from Gemma. Well, Gemma, again, this was awesome experience. I thank you so much for coming out, being a, being a part of the podcast. We'll have all information of Surge ROI, Gemma, on our Player Engage website. We'll put it on our socials. And again, thank you so much for taking the time today. I hope you have a good rest of your travels. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me. Really appreciate it. This was so much fun. <laughs>